I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Danielle Radoichin. Welcome to episode 10 of My Big Idea, an ASOS podcast. This week's edition comes to you from Violet, the baking sensation which started out as a stall at Broadway Market in 2005 and eventually evolved into the cafe and bakery which sits in Hackney today. I'm here talking to its owner and founder, Claire Patak. Originally from California, Claire is not only the brains behind this beloved establishment, she is also the author of no less than five cookbooks and a much sought-after food stylist. Here's Claire's big idea. So Claire, you're originally from San Francisco. Yes. And I understand that you originally started out working in something that was completely different to the food area was actually in film that's right and so actually what I was really interested to know um starting out was um I'm interested in that whole idea of when you start out on one career path but then you kind of know it isn't yeah. really right for you or yes. it doesn't feel like what you want to do and so you think about switching mm-hmm. and I wanted to know about how you did that and what you think about doing that and how you found your true calling cool yeah um it's uh it's always a risk to, to spend a lot of time studying one thing or working in one industry and then leaving that for something else. Um, and I think what's, what's very cool, actually, is more and more people do do that. And I notice um, a lot of people that go into food, actually, it's a second career for them. Um, for me, I was still quite young. Um, and I, I loved film from a very young age and was always interested in some my my parents were in theater and I always acted and but knew that I sort of actually wanted to be on the other side of things directing or um cinematography and I studied it in university and it was amazing still loved it <laughs> and then I got the opportunity to work for a year um for a Hollywood director and my illusions were sort of shattered <laughs> I think I um why Were they shattered? I think, well, I think that what I realized was that I wasn't cut out for it. Um, I still love it. And and there are moments where I think, oh, I wish I could, you know, be in that industry when I see a really great film. Um, But I was still always baking every day. It's something that I did to um, just, I think... Not as therapy, because uh, I always think that's kind of a funny thing that, you know, to say that something like that is therapeutic. But um, it's I just think a lot nice. Of people would say that baking is therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. they would, and, and I think that's that's great. You know, for me, I think I just I always wanted to do it. Um, uh, I mean, like every day, I wanted to do it. Not that I was like my lifelong dream, but that it was something that I felt compelled to do quite a lot. And um, and when I did it. Um, for friends and family, the response was always really, really positive. <laughs> and it was a, a couple of friends, actually, it just sort of clicked one day and they just said, you know, this is what you should do professionally because it's just so good. And, you know, we'd be amazing to 
share it with a lot of other people and, and I kind of listen to that so. because people often say I mean I've heard two I've heard people say that you should just do what you're whatever you whatever exactly. your hobby what is you're yeah. what you're good at that yeah. should be your career and then some yeah. people say no you should keep that as Separate. your hobby because it's a form of relaxation yes. takes your mind off things yeah but for you obviously you took that thing that was your hobby and mm. or your passion and made it into your career so that's exactly right I think that that um I think doing what you know is just so important. It's the same as writing, you know, write about what you know. How did you put that into practice then from being uh, a dream or an ambition mm-hmm. and something that you knew you, were, you wanted to do and then actually putting that into, putting the wheels in motion? I felt that it was really important to be very good, first of all, at the baking, um, to get that sort of learn the rules before you break them kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so I... I I did as much as I could to really hone my skills as a baker and then was sort of had an eye the whole time (laughs) um, on all the other things that were surrounding it. How did you hone your skills as a baker? um, Just like working my way through cookbooks, actually. Reading a lot and uh, practicing daily, like cooking all the time um, to try all the different things and then um, working in bakeries and wedding cake companies and then eventually my my real goal was to be a pastry chef so um I got a job at Chez Panisse in California um and so I didn't go to school. Can you tell us a a bit about Chez Panisse for people who don't know what it is? Yeah (laughs) um so Chez Panisse is a restaurant in Northern California which is sort of responsible for um what is known as California cuisine um and also for the whole idea of farm to table. So Alice Waters, who's really a mentor for me, has um, done something really incredible by taking a sort of, it's actually a house the, where the restaurant is, <laughs> and she took, she found this house and she just, you know, wanted to cook really great food for friends. And so she just started, you know, she'd get friends that were sort of okay at cooking to, go, <laughs> to come help her. And before she knew it, she had all the best chefs and all the best people in this wonderful environment um, working with farmers directly to get the best ingredients possible to create some really exceptional food, which was really about what was in season and what the ingredients were. So making a vegetable just taste as good as it possibly could without disguising it and making it something else. So she she really started that. And... um, my introduction to Chez Panisse was from a young age. My, you know, family and friends would go there, and so I knew about it. Um, and then I, I applied for a job. So, and how <laughs> you say she's a mentor to you? How did that come about? I, um, when I got the job there, you know, Alice is incredibly busy. It was sort of um, thirty years into the business by the time I started working there. It's been, it's, it's, you know. It's an anomaly in terms of restaurants because it's been open for now. I think it's 45 years this year. I think it's 45. Um, so she was very busy with lots of projects, but you know she was around all the time, sort of going through the restaurant, checking things, tasting all the time. Um, and I just thought, I need to know her. I want to like, I really want to, you know, there's a hundred people that work here, but I'd really like to build a relationship with her because I feel like I could learn so much. She inspired me as being a woman who's run a successful business for 40 years. Um, obviously, <laughs> that's impressive. Um, but also because she's, a wonderful she has a wonderful energy and she's so inspiring just you know she just walks into the place and you just think 
what can I do to like help her or make her so happy? So how did you get her attention if she was so busy? Um, by being a good baker. Right. So, so you, the reason you moved to London because your husband is British. That's correct. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but it, it seems obvious as well. Obviously, your career is so important to you and you mm-hmm. somehow very cleverly managed to still use what you'd learned in California and bring it with you and bring that up, bring that experience to what you were doing in London and use it to kind of inform the next part of your career, yes, yes. which was setting up the market stall. That's correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, again, going back to the idea that, you know, doing what you know is best and, and really um, focusing on that, I think can be your best route to success. So I worked um, briefly, so I would say a stage, which is, you know, to do a sort of a, a, a bit of time somewhere. Um, I worked at Moro. I worked at the Anchor and Hope, which is a wonderful place by all ex-St. John chefs. Um, I worked at St. John. And then I also did a really funny random stint at the River Cafe answering the phone. But that's another story. But um, And what did that help you learn? What did that teach you working at all those different London restaurants? Well, I really got to kind of understand what Londoners eat for pudding. <laughs> what um, do they eat for pudding? <laughs> a lot of delicious, creamy kind of things, you know. Um, yeah, it's, Was it's it different kind of stuff to completely different to California. Um, can you talk us through, um, I want to hear about <laughs> when you started your market stall, yes. how you did it. There was this great market, Broadway Market, which is um, in the neighborhood that I was that, living in. And um, and I applied for a stall, like I think three months into my time here. And, um, and is, it I got easy it. To, is it easy to no. get a stall? Is it hard? What, <laughs> I mean, at that what, time it was why easy. Is it it was not easy. Why is it not easy? Well, you've got, there's a lot of, you know, you've got to, first of all, you've got to establish a business, which is kind of intimidating and you've got to work with so you have to be a business person to to have a store there you have to have your business registered um and it could be self-employed you could be self-employed but you've got to have some sort of um established business going on and you have to have a a logo and you know a brand you've got to have um you know the health and safety regulations ticked off and you've got to have your how long does health and hygiene well it took three months it took three months kind of and it was it was it was crazy i mean i was hustling to get all this stuff sorted out plus i was you know i didn't even have a national insurance number so that was also really difficult (laughs) but um but i knew it was what i wanted to do so i just you know sorted it out and um and then once you have that, um, and you also have to have your kitchen approved. So if you're cooking from home, you've got to have the council come around to your kitchen. You know what it's like working with councils. It's always like a lot of paperwork and a lot of kind of back and forth. You know, nope, you're missing one thing. So you've got to come back next Tuesday. And was it all kind of plain sailing? <laughs> were there moments when you just thought, oh my God, this is too no. stressful. What am I doing? There were definitely a lot, a lot of moments where I thought I should just jack it in. But then... Um, how do you deal with those? And how did you, how did you keep the faith? And like know that this was the right path? Yeah, I think... I just it would, again it would come back to the fact that I thought what I had my idea of what I was going to sell and what I was going to make I thought was really going to do well and I kept so in the meantime I was also food styling and I would bring things that I was testing out and practicing on to the shoots and I would bring them to all my friends and and again like just to get feedback and that I was think really this, good this whole so. food styling thing is quite interesting I think a lot of people might not know what food styling is actually so oh, okay. can you just so food it. styling. So, um, so what it technically is is cooking <laughs> um, for the camera. So um, 
I, I had the fortune when I was at Chez Panisse to meet Jamie Oliver, who um, was, was in California for a book tour. Um, and I met him and... Um, What's he like? He's fantastic. And he's also <laughs> definitely another mentor. Um, he's an incredible um, cook and businessman. How do you become... <laughs> Jamie Oliver's mentee, if that's the right word. I don't know. How do you get <laughs> well, into I mean, I, I, um, I was very lucky. The timing was right and, and all the pieces fit together. And he, you know, I said, I'm moving to London eventually when, when that decision was made. And he said, well, um, you know, you can come help out my food team and learn some of the tricks of the trade of food styling. So I was like, I'll be there. <laughs> What's he like to work for? Um, he's amazing. I, he never, I mean, I, I when I say mentor, I mean, I also mean, you know, I... I, I have this sort of, you know, running my business, there's often times where you have to make decisions or make a call that is challenging. And it could often have to do with staff or, um, you know, money decisions that are, that are challenging. And I always think to myself, I have a couple people that I ask this question of, he's one of them, what would Jamie do? Well, what would Alice do? Because you have that voice there that it kind of brings you back because oftentimes your reaction is to just be frustrated or angry um and, and you actually ask them what they would do or do you just imagine well, that would be what they would do? a dream but that's kind of impossible <laughs> so you try to think about the things that they've um passed on to you in yeah. your time with them how do you think being a food stylist has informed the kind of food that you make now for like the stall at Broadway Market, which eventually turned into Violet. The well, it's cafe. been really helpful for my um, social media. Because you've got a distinctive <laughs> look. To your, your stuff has a distinctive look, I think. Mm, great. Would you Thank agree? You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it definitely was, well, I wanted it to. I wanted, so part of, you know, my branding was that my cakes would be recognizable as Violet cakes. And I wanted them to be different and I wanted them to feel, um, yeah, special and kind of, to stand up because there's a lot, I mean, a lot of competition. Obviously. Yes, yeah. a lot of competition. Um, to, so to have a kind of combination of things, so to look kind of really appetizing and natural, but also not to look messy or too homemade, you know, to look professional. Yeah. Who helped you with your um, brand design and the logo design and everything? Was that something that came from you? Did you hire someone? I had an amazing, um, I have an amazing friend, Alice Cowling, who um, she at the time she was with a company called Yes, and they designed it for me. Um, um, for a lot of cake, basically as a trade, which was very lucky as well because they're collateral to have. really expensive now. <laughs> so when so the so you launched the stall at Broadway Market and it was a, was it a success straight away? Did it take a while to take off or what was it that? Well, the, it, it was it was popular straight away, but what, what, why was it Broadway Market was not? So right. <laughs> it was really quiet. Um, I think um, it was it was. So this was before the Broadway Market became. <clears throat> It exploded, didn't it? it became, yeah, it became had really been open for less than a year when I started. Reopened for less than a year. I mean, it's a hundreds of years old market, but it had shut down in the eighties, um, and it it was sort of you know I don't know six or seven stalls at the time, really small, <laughs> and not very many people coming through, and a lot all of people food stalls and um, food and craft yeah, actually, right. yeah, but all kind of you know small homemade things going on. Um, but a lot of people would walk by and kind of think, you know, or say, you're having a laugh charging that much for, you know, cupcake or whatever, because I was in How a How much were you charging? It, like, I think at the time, I think a cupcake was 180 or and something. And was it like which, around the same time as the Sex and the City cupcake yes. magnolia thing? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. It, so the cupcake <laughs> craze was yeah. already underway. Well, in America, not here as much. Um, and, I, and I was making a whole range of things. So it wasn't, I always, 
wanted to do a range. I didn't want it to just be cupcakes. Um, but I knew, I saw that there was sort of a gap in the market for a really good cupcake here. And they're American. And so, yeah. <laughs> so I did a lot of those. But, but I've always done a whole range because I, I knew that there would be a, an end to the trend as well. <laughs> so you thought, yeah, so, that, so that's obviously something that's important is knowing that you can't base your business on one I don't thing think so. You need to I mean, there are people that believe that. There are people that say just do one thing and, you know, do it really well and that's the thing. But I, I haven't found that. In my experience, it's good to have, um, not to sort of bank on something that's trendy, but to really have integrity in your business and to know the, and to know your business and to know what it is you're doing and why and, and then you'll survive any kind of, you know, boom and bust So <laughs> what took you from, um, so obviously you did the cupcakes as successful and I know yeah. you did lots of other kinds of baking as well. <laughs> um, what was it that took you from stall to permanent to shop, shop <laughs> cafe that you have now? Um, so... I was doing it from home and basically my husband was like, this has got to stop. <laughs> it's too much. Um, and I, and I also felt, I think I could have done it earlier actually, but, um, but I was really getting into the food styling and I was doing both things at the same time. But then I, I got to a point where I realized I needed to make a decision on the business and I wanted it to grow and I wanted to have a so legitimate you, because premises. Because if you wanted to get bigger, you were going to have to go to a permanent Yeah, location. you need to have a premises. I kind of, I'd pass by, you know, a shop that I really liked and think, oh, I want to do that. I want to have, you know, uh, bricks and mortar. So that was really the thing. And, and I thought... Um, Initially, I thought, well, we'll start with just a commercial kitchen, and then we'll uh, get to a shop later. But we'll, you know, have somewhere to produce it all. And then this, we found this little place where we are right now, um, and it was it was really affordable. So I thought, even if it doesn't work out, I could probably still make the rent, which was like <laughs> a good, um, safe, safe thing to do. Um, and it worked out. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> And what would you say is the most important thing for maintaining now or, or taking it? How are you going to take it further? Further. Oh, you know, you're maintaining. I mean, how long has it been like, what, five? It's been five, five years, years, yeah, that we've had the shop open. Um, and it's, you know, touch wood, it's mm. gone from strength to strength. Mm. So um, we, we have always, I say we, it's me, <laughs> but and my sort of husband helps me with these decisions too. But um, I think... I've always wanted it to, to, to remain special and unique in its smallness. So I never wanted to have a big chain of, of, of places, but I do really care about it being a profitable, you know, healthy business. Um, Is it true that you have to create a chain in order to make more money for this kind of business, do you think? Or? It's a, it's a model that a lot of people go with. But so are again, you going to go with it? I you... never go with the model that he <laughs> tells me to go with. Um, I think that I can do it differently because I don't want to um, degrade the quality. And so I feel like I can... Um, find a way and which is maybe to have a few sort of similar businesses but not necessarily uh rolling out the violet you know model right so yeah. it wouldn't be duplicates exact no. duplicates of this place like no. wouldn't be like costa on the high street same same it exactly would be... it would be more like you know the other place that you want to go to when you like going to this place <laughs> if you, if you what do you, what you I mean? think is the next trend in uh <laughs> you know you were saying cupcakes was, yeah or don't you want to give it away 
No, no, I don't. I don't mind. <laughs> I mean, definitely a trend has gone to、um, you know gluten free and、um, different flours, different less sugar,、um, which is which is fantastic to me because I care a lot about、um, you know what I put into my body, and I think、um, it's funny. I, I actually think that. Because everybody went so cake crazy in the last few years that everyone's like, "Whoa, we need to, you know, less sugar, less." It's a natural thing,、um, not just because it's a trend. I think people kind of crave balance in their diets, and、um, and so I'm really excited to, yeah, to see where that goes in terms of baking. But in terms of food here, I mean, so much has has evolved in the last couple of years, and I think it just keeps going more towards healthy, in, fresher. You, you stay yeah, in the UK,、so. like、yeah, for a while. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks. So that was Claire Patak talking about her big idea. Tune in next week to hear more inspirational stories. Don't forget to subscribe on Acast, iTunes, or your favourite podcast app. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.